Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 28 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. So, Angelo, episode 28, the beginning of November. Um, but last week, it was uh, the passing of time marked by your birthday. Yes, I got a nice little gift from you, Brian. It was a, a weird 123greetings.com card. And it sort of reminded me of the, like the good old days of the internet when people thought these things were actually novel and fun. And now it's pretty much sent out of irony is what I'm assuming. I don't think that was sincere, right? You just wanted to wish me happy birthday, but in a more joking way, I'm assuming. So when I was, you know, first on the internet ages, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12, I, one, two, three greetings was the place to go to actually send uh, greetings to loved ones. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I got to pick my font. So of course, Comic Sans MS got it right down there. You know, and, and while the the desire to wish you a happy birthday was true, you're not wrong in saying that uh, there was a tiny bit of irony of trying to find the worst and weirdest card for you and then sending it to you and hoping you saw it. Yeah, I'm wondering if we'll uh, actually post a link to that. Maybe we can. I uh, I also got another birthday greeting uh, via podcast from uh, Not Alone, and I think we've got a few listeners coming in from there, and if you are joining us from the Not Alone podcast, we welcome you to the Double Density podcast, and I just wanted to thank Sam and Jason for the uh, lovely birthday present, and uh, uh, thanks. <laughs> That was very succinct of you. Yeah, thanks very much to anyone listening. Welcome to all of our new listeners, to all of our older listeners. Welcome, you know, once again, I guess we got to address everyone in the virtual room uh, in podcast land. And then, you know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just plug our socials right now because I think this is the great time. We'll get this out of the way. So if you want to find us on the Internet, you can do so over doubledensity.net where all of our newest episodes are put up. You can hit up the blog link to read um, some of our newer articles as well as contact us by clicking on the contact page. If you want to find us on social media, on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, and the same thing on Instagram. So we've got that out of the way, Angela. How does that feel? You're, you're getting really good at that after 28 episodes. I don't think I've actually tried to say our socials because I'd probably screw it up. I would just say go to doubledensity.net and you can find everything there anyway. You can all see our, our pictures of our pretty little uh, awestruck faces, I guess, would be the best way of putting them. Because the pictures we picked don't necessarily suggest uh, calmness and, uh, <laughs> and authority, I think. Yeah, you're, I like the, the look of giddiness on your face because it, yours is quite appropriate for our show because you're standing in front of the Betty and Barney Hill plaque. So I think uh, that one pretty much strikes the right note for our show. Mine was taken at a wedding, I think, so, and not even my own. <laughs> so you're just uh, have you taken a lot of pictures at other weddings is this a thing that happens a lot for you i i haven't been to that many weddings recently because most of my friends got married like 10 years ago but uh yeah the, the, i guess you take a picture of yourself and your nice uh clothes that you wear when you go to a wedding i don't dress like a bum like i'm dressed right now i'm wearing uh, track pants and a sweater so i feel this is an appropriate time for me to ask you asl you know <laughs> yeah what are you wearing <laughs> Um, so your birthday was a very fruitful birthday because not only did you celebrate the passing of time with your family, uh, which was uh, great to see, but also because you decided to pick yourself up a newer piece of tech or newish piece of tech. Well, it's, it's pretty new. Uh, so I got some unexpected birthday money and I <laughs> did your grandmother come through? <laughs> yeah. She came back to life, uh, from beyond the grave, uh, haunted me, uh, said, look, this will be great for your podcast because you guys talk about ghosts, right? And technology. So use this money. Uh, talk about me haunting you, and I gave you some money to go buy a new Apple Watch. Shouts out to undead grandma over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I ended up getting an Apple Watch Series 3, uh, and uh, I'm liking it. It's way faster than my uh, original Apple Watch, which uh, my wife ended up taking, and she's using it. Uh, it uh, since she doesn't wear it as long as I do during the day, the battery doesn't really die uh, by the time she goes to bed, so that's pretty good. And it still works fine for her. I ended up just getting a regular silver non-LTE version. So this is the regular GPS one. And uh, it works well. My current uh, debate in my own head is whether I should get Apple Care or not. Um, I actually tried to get Apple Care this afternoon just um, by using their online thing because I wasn't near the store. And you can actually go online and because... The Apple Watch, Apple Care is Apple Care Plus, where they can actually um, basically fix it, even if it's accidental damage. They do want to inspect your watch in one way or another. So to do it online, you have to have them run an online diagnostics. And uh, it failed. It didn't work. Hmm. 
not that mm. my Apple Watch failed. The, the diagnostic went through and said it was successful. It's just Apple couldn't communicate with my devices to actually get the thing, so they didn't get my $65 for Apple Care. So now I'll just have another night to think about it and see if I actually think it's worth it. When I bought it, I totally didn't think it was worth it. And then uh, something came up in the news this week about Apple Watch uh, Series 3 having these weird issues come up. Um, and I always think of it as something for me to worry about, uh, of course. Uh, and it seems to not really be affecting mine, but who knows? It's these weird edge stripes, they're called. I had not even heard of this. Nobody's talked about it, ex it except that Mac Rumors got a hold of a internal memo saying that if anybody shows up at the Apple Store with this issue, uh, they get a free exchange. And that's not with Apple Care Plus, it's just with regular old Apple Care. You get an exchange. So I don't know. Should I get Apple Care, Brian? What do you think? I think that for peace of mind for you, I know it and I know you quite well. I think that you're going to um, stress out about it if you don't. So I definitely think you should think about getting it. You know, what's funny is that on my really expensive iPhone, which I, I guess technically out of pocket, I paid less than the Apple Watch. I don't, I didn't get Apple Care. I don't get Apple Care for my iPhones. Um, I did get Apple Care for the iPad mainly, which we discussed uh, when I first got that because of the insane repair costs. Oh, wait, you got an iPad? Yeah, I got an iPad. Oh, did you know lucky you i did yeah. not know this no who was i talking to all those episodes ago no idea so an ipad yeah an ipad ipad pro wow. 12.9 inch wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm being a little facetious because angelo that episode where you got the new ipad i think it was in august it just it really popped off in terms of the number of times you said ipad in an episode i think it was a record i i kind of want to take december and be like angelo you get one apple story a week for december and see how that goes yeah, I'm hoping there'll be less Apple stories. It's not like they have a huge product coming up uh, anytime soon. And it hasn't recently come out as the time this airs. So, um, oh, wait, was there something new that came out from Apple? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, the, uh, so we're recording November 1st. On the 3rd, we're seeing the iPhone X. Oh, yeah. Some people are accidentally calling it the iPhone X. Yeah, so that's going to be big. And, and uh, I actually had two coworkers ask me, where's the 9? Which I thought was really interesting. That's an issue they might have because so most people aren't like us or like a lot of the people that listen to the show where they're uh, on the pulse of the uh, tech news where they know about these things. Most people are just going to walk into an Apple store, stumble in there and wonder uh, what happened to the iPhone 9? I see the 8. I see this X one. Is that a 10? Oh, what's not, where's 9? Is 9 not coming out? Is something wrong with the number 9? Who knows? Uh, it's It's these weird questions that uh, people will ask because it is strange. So what did you tell your two coworkers? Well, I literally told them, Hey, listen, the X denotes 10 years of iPhone, uh, you know, existence and the eight is their newest model apart from that. And then I kind of want to create, you know, the amount of clickbait journalism that's going to come out in the next month going, you know, exclusive iPhone nine news. And it's just, it's just trolling. I feel like it's going to be a thing that's going to happen a lot more. Maybe we'll t title this episode, iPhone nine. All caps. Yeah. All caps. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because I find Apple's having a bit of a hard time with, uh, the naming of these things. I, I think it's kind of a strange name, but this has been discussed ad nauseum at this point. The reviews are out. People seem to be really liking this iPhone 10. Um, but I will say I have not regretted going with the iPhone 8 plus mainly because I don't think I would have been able to afford an Apple watch at this point if I had bought the iPhone 10 and definitely not been able to get to Apple Care Plus on either the iPhone or the watch because Apple Care, like I didn't get it for my iPhone 8 Plus, but people are saying that for the iPhone 10 it's almost a must because of the insane repair prices on the iPhone 10. Um, they're kind of nuts. They're in the hundreds and hundreds of dollars, not just, you know, it was, I remember. Back in the good old days, when you broke a screen, it was basically a hundred bucks to repair it. But so we're in Canada, and the price to repair an iPhone uh, screen is three hundred and fifty nine dollars. Wow! And if you break the back, it's like seven hundred and nine dollars, <sighs> which is essentially a new phone. <laughs> so yeah, this is a good way for Apple to pretty much sell their Apple Care Plus. Uh, and I'm not sure I feel comfortable with that. And I think, Ryan, this is something you really wanted to discuss. 
Well, uh, before we forget, I, you know, um, so we're going to link to the Mac rumors, uh, webpage below in the show notes, but, uh, very quickly, I think Germany is uh, worst off because it's, uh, 321 euro for screen repairs and then 611 euro for other damages. So when you start doing those calculations, it's, it's quite extensive to want to, um, get your phone repaired, right? Well, look at the UK, 286 pounds, 556 pounds. What that's 2.5 Canadian dollars. Uh, let's say about two like doubled right yeah so that's over a thousand dollars for your phone yeah yeah so that's the price of the phone man it really wants you to go back to you know uh, to a time where uh string and cans were a <laughs> mode of talking to one another we we love our devices but they're pretty much impossible to repair gone are the days where you could put your car out on uh cinder blocks in the front lawn and uh, work on it uh, to your heart's content Oh, well, I'm planning on doing that too as soon as I buy some property, right? So don't you worry about that. But yeah, switching sort of gears about the news about this, I kind of have um, a little bit of a, a bone to pick, right? So um, the uh, Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers uh, recently came out with an article that said, uh, entitled, Why We Must Fight for the Right to Repair Our Electronics, right? So um, in a lot of these different cases, um, and especially let's uh, one of the really more interesting ones, right, is farming, for example, right? So if you buy a John Deere tractor, you're not allowed to open up the John Deere tractor and fix anything in there um, or else you're breaking the terms of service and you cannot be covered for anything, right? So um, that's just one example of the type of um, society we're shifting towards where proprietary software lives within our homes, outside of our homes, in the, you know, in the case of John Deere, and you're not allowed to uh, play with its guts, uh, I guess is the best way of putting it, right? So basically you can't perform surgery on something that uh, farmers actually, most farmers nowadays have grown up with these tractors and it was something they were shown how to fix them. And now if they go and buy an, a new tractor and they mention it'll run around 70 grand for a new tractor, they can't actually go in and fix these things themselves like they used to and like they've always been accustomed to doing so. Uh, it's a huge time saver for somebody to be able to actually fix their own uh, equipment, especially on uh, in a job like a, as a farmer where time is incredibly important. And if you're without a tractor for a week while it's getting repaired or having some sort of software upgrade in, inputted, uh, you're in trouble. It definitely affects the livelihood of a lot of people. And I think um, bringing things a little bit closer to what we usually talk about, um, the article that we're linked to below has the example of a, um, a Guardian journalist, right, who in 2015 uh, was out in the field in Macedonia um, covering uh, a refugee crisis in the Balkans. And his screen breaks, right? So he goes to a, a third party, um, like computer shop, I guess, would be the best way of putting it, and gets a uh, his screen broken. But afterwards, uh, per an update... Uh, software update on his phone he actually uh, gets it bricked right so i remember when this came out what happened is that there was a software just a regular point update to an ios uh, and basically it bricked a bunch of people's phones because this weird error 53 i believe it was called yep and what it was it was that the the i think the touch id sensor wasn't talking to the rest of the phone because the screen had been replaced and apparently it was a mistake, but I don't know. I think it was Apple just trying to like stick it to people that were not fixing their phones at an authorized Apple reseller. And there's a lot of places like that. Even here, um, I don't know if it's uh, nationwide, but in downtown Montreal near where I work, there is a place called You Break I Fix, which is kind of a funny name. I know it's in various places in Quebec and Ontario. I'm not sure about the rest of the country. And so this article, though, was was good. I enjoyed the article. It just it's it did start off sort of conspiratorial, where uh, it's kind of leaning into the thing of saying that all these new com all these companies now their products are basically created with planned obsolescence in mind, uh, and there was a, like dying out the jobs of people that used to fix these things. And I don't know if you remember those commercials with uh, Sally Struthers, but it popped into my head where it talks about TV repair and VCR repair. It was these weird vocational schools that you can do uh, by mail, I think. It was definitely not online because the internet didn't exist. But I think we'll uh, put a link to uh, one of those commercials on the show notes because I think they're pretty funny. I think they're pretty great too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not just Sally Struthers, but there's any number of flavors of um, local colleges offering things like, uh, yeah, like TV repair, automotive repair, et cetera, et cetera, that are um, not as... Uh, 
well sought after, I guess would be the best word to say uh, right now in this current society. And I was just thinking another example of something that we all get frustrated by is printers and cartridges and the proprietary way in which a uh, printer will check your cartridges uh, validity. Because, you know, for example, there's a lot of places where you can go and they'll take a very fine needle and they'll uh, top up your uh, printer cartridge and sometimes uh, larger printer companies have ways in which they can tell that you've done this and will lock you out of your own printer. Yeah, I think Costco does this. Uh, they actually, I don't know if they just, re they have their own replacement cartridges, but they do have a replacement thing. And there's always a lineup for that, what the Costco I go to. And um, actually my Canon printer, it says if you don't use a genuine Canon cartridges like you risk having uh the printer melt down and explode or something insane like that uh it also reminds me of my coffee machine i have a, a keurig uh, which a lot of people hate a lot of coffee snobs hate the keurig i don't mind it it's totally fine i do prefer the coffee from my aeropress now that i started using that but it's it's great in the morning because i just put in a little pod and i get my coffee the thing is is a few years ago i had to change to one of the newer Keurig machines, and we had these pods that they stopped working because they didn't have the barcode. So, like, there's proprietary barcodes on these uh, pods that don't let them work with, uh, well, the old ones don't work in the new machines, which there was a whole hullabaloo about this when this came out. And I think there was some sort of class action lawsuit, if I'm not mistaken, but don't quote me on that. But still, um, if you have any old Keurig pods, they just don't work in the new machines. And I can see the frustration there. It's kind of silly that they would do that. But it's all in the name of uh, anti-piracy uh, pods, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the shadowy world of uh, knockoff uh, coffee pod brands. Yeah, well, that's why I used to go buy my Keurig uh, pods. They'd go in the back alley near work and uh, just pick up some pods. And they give you the burlap sack? Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's how you know they're real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of a weird. We kind of live in this weird, these weird times, right? Where like, uh, you know, we live in times that Popular Mechanics, the magazine, used to dream about in certain ways, but in other ways, it's very dystopian in the way that like we're not necessarily owning a lot of these products. We're kind of licensing features to them because we can't actually repair them. So what the article mentions is that you buy the hardware, but you don't own the software which is a, an interesting way of looking at it. So you get a you get a coffee machine, but if the firmware update doesn't go through, then you're just stuck with the hunk of junk. Um, and they mention a lot of different things. Like, for example, I have, a, I have a dryer that's broken down a few times, but guess what? It's an old school dryer. I went in, I took it apart, cleaned a few things up, replaced a few parts, saved me uh, probably over $1,000 instead of getting a brand new dryer. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why you take those courses that you see offered on TV because you can fix your washer, you can fix your dryer, you can fix most of your televisions, you can fix whatever you'd like within your home. Just, you know, listen to Sally Struthers. Or you could just go to YouTube. That's where I went. A lot of, um, and kind of tied into some of the stuff we've talked about though, like a lot of uh, consoles, like for example, the Wii have been hacked in order to um, play things like unlicensed games or you know, even loading in emulators and ROMs, right? So um, it kind of touches the day-to-day -day in our entertainment sector too. So the Wii things and even the Xbox, I, I haven't really been actually ever followed that stuff. So I think, I remember a friend of mine had a cracked Xbox, I guess you would say, but somebody, he had to give it to somebody, they had to actually solder something onto the motherboard, which sounds pretty extensive, but there's a lot of room in those consoles as they were before. Um, I recently had to open up my PS4 briefly, like I didn't actually open up the whole thing, I took off uh, the, there's a, one, one of the panels you can actually easily slide off, because it was, I think it's still having the same problem. If anybody knows why my PS4 their, its fans keep running even when it's supposed to be in rest mode, please send us a message to uh, our contact page on our website. But Two words uh, for you, Angelo. Government surveillance, obviously. Oh, maybe. There's a little camera on there that I don't know about. There you go. I opened it up to kind of like blow out the air. Oh, well, no, not blow out the air, blow out the dust with air. Uh, it still does it though, so I don't know what the heck's wrong. But anyway, it, it's really packedly, uh, tight, real packed in there, so... I remember like the days when you can open up a Nintendo or Super Nintendo. Like I, I had to open up my Super Nintendo controller last time when I wanted to play a game. And uh, it was super easy to open up, cleaned it out, fixed it up, and it works fine after. 
can't do that anymore. Nope, not at all. You know, that's breaking the terms of service and you can't get it repaired and this and that and the other thing, right? So uh, I think this is definitely something that we're going to continue talking about, especially in this realm as we continue towards this um, society wherein we uh, buy proprietary um, bits of uh, tech that invade our every uh, day lives and see where this takes us, right? Yeah, well, I, look, I just bought the Apple Watch. I'm considering getting Apple Care for it because there's no way you can open up an Apple Watch easily at all. There's no, like, there's no visible screws on this thing. I wouldn't be able to do anything with it. I don't even think they open them up in the Apple stores themselves. They kind of send them out for repair at this point. Um, and that, that's the danger, right? We have all these great things. We want them to get thinner. We want them to get lighter. We want them to become waterproof. They're all sealed up nice and tight. We can't do anything with them. And something I did find interesting about this article, one of the writers is the guy who created iFixit. And that's a website that shows you uh, teardowns of popular products like the and they'll rate the repairability of it so i think like uh, the airpods got like the lowest repairability score ever because they're basically uh, it's basically glue inside of them it's all like the battery's all sealed in tight there with glue so there's no way if your airpods break you got to get new ones or apple has to replace them for you you can't fix them there you go trapped prisoners of our own tech very quickly um you had your own little worry this week about uh, being a prisoner of tech as you upgraded to high sierra yeah so i've been debating um updating to high sierra because we record a podcast now and there's always weird issues that pop up when you completely upgrade your os not just going it's not just a point update it's a whole new os and i held it off and then this week um 13.1 came out. So I said, let me give it a try. I'm sure Brian won't hate me if we can't record a podcast this week. And um, I updated. It took a while because it had to update the whole file system, but it seems to be okay. The only issue I've noticed right now that we're recording is I have a bit more of an echo when I'm talking into the microphone that I used to. And for some reason, the artwork on our MP3 doesn't uh, get processed when I'm recording. But like you said, that doesn't really matter because ultimately that's not what people will see from the recording. So who cares? Thing is, I had a thought today. I was, uh, when I was trying to do that thing with the the Apple Watch where I was getting the uh, diagnostics, um, I had tried to send it, it didn't work, whatever. And then I was about to log out of my computer and the screen went blank. What the heck's going on? And then I realized the power had gone out. That would have been horrible if it happened in the middle of an uh, an OS upgrade. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I guess the chances are pretty slim. But look, if I had been upgrading my computer 24 hours after after I actually did upgrade it, I don't know what would have happened. Do you know what happens if you're, if you're, like it says not to unplug it. So I'm assuming bad things happen if you're in the middle of an OS upgrade. Uh, it tries to redo it from the beginning um, is something that had happened to me last year, I think, before realizing that my problem with my laptop was uh, the hard drive. Uh, but I had many issues in terms of trying to upgrade and then it not working. So uh, fear not. It does go back to uh, square one, though, with updating. Okay. And you have one of the older uh, MacBook Pros that are sort of more repairable than the new ones, right? That's right. So uh, late last year, around this time last year, actually, I had begun to see a series of really strange problems that I chalked up to either the battery or the hard drive. So I had a friend uh, who had a hard drive. So I flipped, and I think uh, my um, MacBook Pro is one of the last MacBooks where you can actually flip it open and take the battery out and take the hard drive out. So we took the hard drive out, popped a new one in, worked like a charm. Yeah, that's that's a relief, actually. The the new MacBooks... So this came up uh, yesterday. We had people over, and someone, you know, they know I'm, I'm into this stuff, and I was asked, what's uh, a good recommendation for uh, an Apple laptop? Because they have an older iMac, and they don't really want to get into their desktop computer. They're thinking of getting a laptop, and I had no answer for them, because right now there are no good Apple laptops to recommend, really. Um, The last good laptop Apple made seems to have been the MacBook Pros before these current MacBook Pros because I don't know if you've seen, but there are a lot of issues with the keyboards on these new MacBooks. Yep. They switched to these weird butterfly switches instead of the previous switches that they had on the keyboards. And it seems like any little piece of dust will ruin this keyboard. Um, There have been a few 
cases where uh, the like there was um I think her name is Casey Johnston. She had a really good article about this. She brought her laptop in to get fixed several times. Her space bar wouldn't work. It would just double space instead of space. And every time she went, the genius helping her said, oh, maybe there's a piece of dust in there. But seriously, a piece of dust should not be causing this kind of problem. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to recommend any sort of Apple laptop at this point because they're really expensive and they, they seem to have major issues with their keyboards. And the novelty of the touch bar did not really work. I don't think anybody really cares for it. I certainly don't know. I really do not care for it as a as a feature on my laptop, and I I think in hindsight I should have you know invested and bought a couple of uh, mid to late twenty twelve uh, MacBooks and just kept them in storage at this point because as you were saying there isn't really much in the market for me, uh, you know, and you're suggesting maybe buying an iPad, but for me I need USB plugins, I need all these things that you know can't really be done on an iPad. Right. So or on any tablet really at this point. So it's kind of like there's this sort of in-between zone that a lot of people live in uh, where they'd like to sort of uh, give up on the laptop. But at the same time, the needs aren't being met through uh, a tablet. Yeah. So that's what I told the person. So the people that the, I know them, they don't need a laptop. They can pretty much get by with an iPad and a keyboard and they'll be fine. But like I was telling them, I said, you know, I can't do that. I need a desktop or a laptop of some kind, mainly for this podcast. Really, it's one of the few things that there's no way I can do it on the iPad. We've discussed this before. It would be pretty difficult to record this podcast in the way we do it on an iPad because you can't have Skype and record a actual audio file at the same time. But um, luckily, most people don't record podcasts. And an iPad pretty much meets the needs of most people. But there's that small percentage of people like us that really wouldn't do well with just an iPad. And it's, as much as it pains me, but there's really no good Apple laptops to recommend at this point. But uh, it's hard to recommend Windows as well, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I currently have to use one for work and it is infuriating. I have to reboot my computer almost every day for different things. And I'm not running anything super intensive at all. It's just a couple of browsers and maybe one or two programs, but it is super frustrating to try and get your work done in this environment and have to continually uh, save reboot and hope for the best. Never fun when you're dealing with windows. Sorry, windows fans. Um, (laughs) But, uh, and I can't recommend windows as well because I know these people want to come to me for help. And um, as of several years ago, I stopped providing support for windows. Do you feel like you're being treated like a party trick sometimes when people come up to you and ask you these questions? No, I, I don't mind it. It's 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 just that, like, I'll give my advice and then people argue with me about the advice I'm giving them. And then, well, why are you asking me for my advice? So, so it's kind of like your Angelo the Dancing Bear, really. I like to dance. <laughs> and you like being a bear. So there we go. One last item to address in the tech portion of this broadcast. And it is something that I was very amused by, right? So, um, so it turns out last week that uh, some uh, passerby pedestrian was walking around Heathrow Airport and discovered... Uh, a USB key and inside of the USB key were 76 folders with maps, videos, and documents, including details of measures used to protect the queen. Yeah. Not good. (laughs) Not good in the least. Well, so the thing too, that I think bears um, some talking about is the fact that this was an unencrypted USB key just dropped willy nilly in West London. Yeah. How, how does that happen? (laughs) So the thing is that, USB keys that are dropped around are also a vector in the opposite direction to actually get malware onto people's computers. Uh, people are really willing to take free USB keys. That is something, if you're security conscious, I do not ever recommend. The best way of social engineering out there. Absolutely. I th- didn't the Stuxnet, Stuxnet virus get uh, delivered that way? Yeah, propagated through USB keys left a little bit everywhere. So yeah, just look, do yourself a favor. Don't get a USB key. If you, if you need one, buy one at the store. <laughs> My favorite too is that um, the, the guy who found it on the street, right, handed it to the Sunday Mirror paper instead of, you know, taking it to the authorities, which I thought was also very interesting. Yeah, very honest, I guess, right? 
Yeah. And, you know, we laugh about these things, but Canada is not so great at security either. So, you know, if we, uh, you know, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes, Angelo, and I want you to step into a time warp with me, right? And we're going to October 1999, a great time to be alive. You know, the Y2K is on its way. Every survivalist ever is panicking. You know, there's, you know, a sense of excitement and thrill and, and fear in the air, right? And uh, a CSIS agent, so CSIS is our domestic version of the FBI and the CIA put together, let's say, right? Goes to take in a game at the Air Canada Centre in Toronto. He's going to watch a Maple Leafs game. And while this happens, homeless people break into his car and steal his uh, belongings <laughs> and briefcase, right? So um, there are numerous news stories which we'll post up there. Uh, so what happens is that the uh, CSIS agents... Uh, higher ups fire this guy firstly and then also recover everything and you know interrogate these homeless people but the briefcase was never found nor uh, were the contents of the briefcase ever discussed but if it warranted enough of a a panic for this guy leaving his car on the street and going to see him uh, a game you know a, a, an nhl game then you know kind of interesting to see where your priorities lie as a CSIS agent maybe it was the jfk documents and that's why they couldn't uh, complete the release <laughs> of them and then uh maybe a decade later uh in the trash in Ottawa, our nation's <laughs> capital, someone finds uh, a series of blueprints for a lot of um, CSIS plans for top secret buildings and things like that, right? So um, <laughs> CSIS launches an investigation into this, and uh, it turns out that uh, these blueprints, and no one knows where they came from, nor do they know how they got there, um, were very important in terms of anti-terrorism kind of stuff, um, especially for the country, right? So the funny thing about that is that um, in the Star article, uh, and this is only uh, interesting to a minute amount of people, uh, current Montreal Mayor Denis Coderre uh, yeah. gets interviewed about the breach of security, which I thought was funny. So right now in Montreal, so we're recording this on the first and uh, next Sunday is uh, the mayoral elections for the city. So it's kind of weird to see his name there and then think uh, all this time later, he's the incumbent mayor. But yeah, anyways, uh, he might not be mayor anymore by the time this airs. Exactly. But the department of defense, uh, launches this investigation and they also note that uh nothing uh this has been the worst breach of security since the uh, 1999 uh stolen car ceases uh maple leafs incident yeah it's the stuff doesn't happen often luckily but when it happens it's huge it's a it's, it's a huge problem I'm willing to believe it happens a little more than we uh, often than we talk about in terms of frequency but i don't think it goes reported as much Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because they, if if it, these breaches happen, maybe it doesn't get out that they've happened, but still, uh, it's it's pretty terrible. I don't know if it's what which one would you say is worse the 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 recent one in, in the UK or these two uh, that we've had here. I, it's hard to say because we don't know the contents of that first briefcase from 1999, right? So I can't really uh, justify uh, picking one over the other until I know all of its contents. So, hey, listen, if you <laughs> currently possess a briefcase uh, filled with CSIS documents that have not seen the light of day in almost 20 years, please, please, please get in contact with us somehow. Just don't, you know, send it from a public email address and then say, hey, guys, here it is, because then we're going to be on a watch list, too. Or, you know what, just send us a USB stick. There we go. We'll put any USB keys inside of our computers. No problem. I think that's great tech advice. Hot take right here. <laughs> put every USB key. and No, you know what? Go to work and do it there. Fill all your USB holes with USB keys. There we go. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. No one's safe from the USB man. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, Angelo, you're leading things off with something called Ohm. What is Ohm? It's it's pretty silly. There was a, an article I found online when I was doing research for something else, and it was the 20 most terrifying stories on the internet, I guess because of Halloween. And um, one of them was this thing called Ohm, or O-M, from uh, an old Reddit thread. Uh, it was from Ask Reddit, and uh, somebody had posted something. What's this, the creepiest true story that's happened to you or someone you know? And this guy posted a story about this car with the uh, with a license plate that had a black O and a green M on it, 
and they were kind of being followed or they were following him and it was doing these weird things and then later on it it, it happened that this car was also described as fleeing the scene of a murder um and then other people chimed in in this um forum uh, in this thread saying that they'd also had a run in with um this quote unquote ohm character and it was really creepy but being as creepy as it was i'm pretty sure it's just uh, some extra creepy pasta for the day but still it was kind of fun to read uh, it was of the stories in that article i um i came across it was the most fun and most interesting I'll post both of them. I'll post a link to the Reddit thread and the uh, 20 most terrifying stories on the internet, which really aren't that terrifying. And they're, most of them are from No, from no Sleep, uh, another Reddit uh, subreddit. So again, they're not real, but still sort of fun. We want them to believe that they're real. Yeah, we want them to believe. Like it's um, recently uh, the podcast Astonishing Legends has been having a... Um, uh, well, it used to be a two-part. Now it's going to be a three-part series on uh, the black-eyed children or black-eyed kids. And I'll be very honest with you, I'd never heard of this until just a few weeks ago. Uh, and some people say it's creepypasta, but they had a really interesting interview with somebody who uh, claims to have actually seen them, a few interviews with people that had seen them, and really, really scary stuff. Uh, I don't know what to believe there. It's kind of horrifying. <laughs> Rewinding things for a second, though, you were talking about the No Sleep subreddit. So I don't know if you heard about this, but MIT researchers have trained Shelly, which is an AI bot, to write horror stories on Twitter based on 140,000 No Sleep posts. Well, that's horrifying in a whole bunch of ways. So if you guys want to check that out, head over to Twitter. Um, the username is Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y underscore A-I. So yeah, they're basically using No Sleep as um, a teaching tool for this bot to spew out more horrific stories. Some of them are nonsensical. Some of them are quite effective too, though. So I have to admit that it kind of goes the wide range of, of and, things. And we'll link to an article uh, down in the show notes. But I thought that was kind of cool. Is it named after Mary Shelley? I'm not sure why it was named. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. And does every story end with robots killing humankind? No, nor does it end with, but then who was phone either. So I'm kind of disappointed oh. there's none of that going on. Brian bringing it back. I always bring it back. Um, other interesting things. So November 1st, you know, we had the release of the JFK documents last week, which was kind of, it was like a weird staggered thing, right? So, you know, they were supposed to come out on your birthday and they didn't. Um, in, well, they in did, totality. but not all of them. Yeah. Exactly. In totality. Yeah. But then um, the rest of the documents, I think, were, you know, uh, sent out over the last couple of days and uh, nothing big. But I mean, once again, like they've had 50 years to destroy anything that compromised them and there's all these conspiracy theories going around about who was supposed to be implicated and they're still alive so they can't be mentioned etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a lot going on there in terms of the jfk documents but I, I think they're kind of a flop more or less what do you think yeah pretty much uh a flop but something did uh, come out interestingly on the 27th uh, so on the friday um in the guardian about how a british paper got an anonymous call just before his assassination. So obviously this was so long ago that it's extraordinarily hard to actually get concrete evidence or proof that this actually happened. But um, apparently uh, there was a memo and the memo read that the British Security Service MI5 has reported that at um, 1805 GMT on the 22nd of November, um, it says and anonymous, I'm assuming an anonymous, it's supposed to say telephone call was made in Cambridge, England, to the senior reporter of the Cambridge News, and the caller said that only the Cambridge News reporter should call the American embassy in London for some big news and then hung up. And this was apparently 25 minutes before Kennedy was assassinated. Um, it's kind of interesting, but it could be anything. Also, in a lot of these events, right, like right when they're happening, a lot of timelines get confused, right? We've, we, yeah, we, and we saw that happen uh, on 9-11 with uh, the attacks that happened then and all kinds of confusion about what was happening, who uh, did what and where. And this is probably uh, what happened then. But if this is actually real, it's it can add a lot of fuel to any of the conspiracy flames because uh, it pretty much shows that if somebody knew, then Oswald wasn't alone. Here's a question for you. Do you feel like right now, even right now, 
um, bureaucrats just love screwing around with, you know, uh, conspiracy theorists about JFK. Do you feel like even with the uh, release of a lot of these documents, there's uh, obviously there's still so much more that um, is somewhere or has been destroyed or kept in places, you know, not privy to the public. But I feel like they, it's almost gleefully done at this point. So they're just dangling the carrot in front of them and then taking it. Yeah. Away. It's like nine seasons, 10 seasons of X-Files, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I, I still enjoyed the X-Files, though. Come on. Right, but the way in which you know Mulder was you know kept only uh, partially in the light of all of these different kinds of conspiracies uh, concerning you know his uh, sister and the grander scheme of uh, the Gray's plans, I guess would be the best way of putting it. I feel like there's a lot of parallels to be drawn with that, and especially like I was thinking about this um, through the lens of disclosure. Yeah, well, look, um, our buddy Tom's going to find everything out for us. It's going to be reported in an entertaining way. Um, and uh, then we'll be able to fly off in an anti-grav machine. I really hope that that is the case. Uh, quick shout out to our, one of our loyal listeners, Rob, your UFO guy, who we've had on before, who actually spent some money on the To The Stars uh, web store recently and bought one of his books. So I'm going to wait uh, with bated breath to hear his review of Secret Machines. Secret, of course, with a K, because why not? I can't wait to hear that, actually, because if anybody's insightful about this stuff, it's Rob. Uh, so you posted it this week, um, a surprising link. Usually I don't, I don't peg you as a deadspin uh, reader, but you uh, I don't, visited uh, the website. Well, so it, it popped up, I think, where did it pop up? Probably in the uh, UFO subreddit on Reddit. Um, and uh, I don't even, like, I don't go to deadspin at all, actually. So I don't really, what's the site about? <laughs> I'm, I'm showing my ignorance here. <laughs> it's sports. Oh, it's sports. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that makes sense. Um, it was uh, the the Oklahoma City Thunder were flying. Uh, they weren't flying the airplane. Somebody was flying it for them. And uh, when they landed, there was like a, a dent in the front. And it, it looks like it hit something. And apparently they're saying that it was... Um, the flight wasn't rough, according to them. And the they're chalking it up to a bird strike. Which is interesting because the question here is where are the feathers? That's what the person asked. Um, but um, yeah, what do you think, Brian? Did they hit a UAP? A little <laughs> one, a little tiny orb? Oh, I don't know what it could be. Uh, it could be like uh, I have theories, right? So it could be a bird. It could be a drum. Because uh, a radius of that size isn't tiny, right? So even if a bird did hit the front of a plane, I don't know if it would make a, a radius uh, damage radius size that big. It's like a giant albatross just flying. They smashed right into it. Speaking of that, though, uh, totally on a side note, and uh, I'm going to get into a personal anecdote story. So, uh, Angelo, you know, get comfortable. Yeah, strap in. Yeah. Here right, we go. So, Sunday afternoon, my girlfriend and I go out for a late, like late breakfast or brunch, I guess, if you're going to be fancy. We come out of the restaurant, and on a corner of a busyish street, we see this seagull stumbling around, and we're watching it stumble, and we're going, this is really weird. And it fl- it half flaps its wings like it can't fly, and it's stumbling around, and like its legs give out over and over, and I'm like, oh man, this could be really bad. Like, I really don't want this bird to wander into the intersection and get hit. So uh, we're like frantically, you know, searching around, trying to figure out what number to call. So I call the city main line, and we're, as we're watching this bird, the woman on the phone transfers me to our local SPCA, and the SPCA picks up, and they go, hello, and I I say, yes, I have uh, this bird who's very sick and I'm very scared that it's going to walk into an intersection and get hit. So they put me on hold. And uh, while I'm on hold, and this is like five minutes worth of phone time, the bird pukes, <laughs> stares me in the eye, and then like just flies away like without a problem. And so I kind of looked like a real jerk uh, real quick, which I did not enjoy. So you just been out partying with his bird friends or what? It was weird because I was like, you know what? I need to see what he puked out. So I took a look and it looked like a bunch of, like he ate a rock accidentally, I think. It looked uh. like. And uh, unfortunately, there was some blood associated to that. So that was kind of a, a bit of a downer. But yeah, that bird just puked, stared me in the eyes of to say, see you later, folks, and then just took off. Yeah, chances are that bird's dead. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I hope not because like I spent all of this time worrying about it. But uh, anyways, I, just, I felt the need to share that because that ties into the whole bird airplane theory. Yeah, I'm not too good with the positive vibes here, am I, Brian? No, no, you're not. <laughs> Doomsday. Doomsday Angelo. So, yeah, I, I mean, it could be any sort of thing. I don't know. Like, it could be a bird. It could be a drone. could be, who knows, space what, debris. What, the seagull? The seagull was no. a drone? No. <laughs> <laughs> the plane. Uh, a dr- you the know what? A drone plane. is actually an excellent guess. And I mean, I don't know if they can fly 30,000 feet up, but... Mm, uh, well, those government ones from Area 51... 
Speaking of that, uh, I don't know if you finished the Annie Jacobson book, but I just picked up the uh, her newer book, Operation Paperclip, about those Nazi scientists we brought over to help us out here in World War II. And I'm about to dive into that this week. They've been, uh, yeah, well, they're mentioned in the um, the book that she wrote about uh, Area 51, which I'm very right. slowly going through. So I'm sorry, Brian, taking a lot of time because when I go to bed, I'll I have I'm reading um, a really long fantasy novel, which is what nerds do. Uh, but and by this time, of course, your wife has turned and fallen asleep. Oh yeah, no, my wife is asleep by the time I go up. It's funny because the other night I went upstairs. I had my iPad in hand, and she's like, Ugh, "You're coming to bed at the same time as me with your stupid iPad." Ugh. I said, "Look, I'll be quiet. Don't worry about it." Uh, but no, I've been too busy this week watching Stranger Things. Um, which, so have I. Yeah, and that's a really good show. And I think we're probably going to want to record something about that and talk about that episode, the the, the second season, eventually, uh, once more people have had time to listen to it. But I think it would be fun for maybe a bonus episode, hint, hint to everyone listening. <laughs> um, maybe. We'll see. But um, suffice to say, I did enjoy it quite a bit. What are, did you, you finished watching it, right? Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. And yeah, that's something that we'll definitely uh, get into uh, probably very soon, actually. Um, you know, if we don't witness any more UFO encounters or see anything smashed into anything else. Yeah, maybe it could be a second half of an episode or a bonus episode on its own. Who knows what we have in store with uh, our nice little bump in listeners we've received over the last few weeks, which we've been very happy. And uh, just a quick thank you to all the listeners we have. Um, you actually make us want to keep going with our little show by two nobodies who nobody knows about. <laughs> great thank you thanks for the friendship angelo and this yeah. is uh the end of episode 28 of the double density podcast with your hosts brian and brian uh, uh we'll see you next week bye <laughs> um sort of related to the timberwolves uh ufo incident you uh, posted a link to a reddit thread about someone filming a ufo quite crappily yeah and it's close to home here in uh brossard i know we have listeners in brossard and um yeah just a, a few kilometers away from where i live and it's terrible it pretty much breaks every single rule you've laid out for uh how to film a ufo properly um i almost wanted to post a link to your article on the reddit page but i think that would probably just get me downvoted into oblivion so uh, i didn't because i think once i posted a link to something i liked and it wasn't even our own podcast and like why are you posting this here and it's like they yeah, so it's not the friendliest group on the UFO uh, subreddit, I, I find. But yeah, um, I encourage you to everyone to go watch this video and take notes on how not to um, actually take a video. My favorite part about the whole thread, too, is other people are, are instantly calling the person who filmed it out for all of these terrible practices. <laughs> so maybe they're listeners. So I feel like, you know, we're not just two men screaming to avoid sometimes, but I feel like there are other people out there who believe and uh, want to exercise the same kind of diligence when they finally catch that UFO or UAP that they've always wanted to film, right? Yeah, some of the, some of the, um, the comments on the, the subreddit are pretty funny. Uh, for example, one is, Yawn, Venus, a star? Uh, is this you, by the way, is this like your kind of declaration of war on Reddit? Because earlier this week you'd been complaining about how you got downvoted without, you know, someone justifying why you got downvoted. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's just Reddit. It's dumb. Um, I go there for a lot of information. So no, I don't mind Reddit at all. It's, it's just some good stuff. And there's the worst of humanity there. It's kind of when you try to participate in Reddit, I feel like that's the part where you get really angry. Yeah. So like I'll, I will. So there's a few, there's a few uh, subreddits I participate in that are fine. But um, some of them are pretty terrible. I, I just find it fun that I, I, I often participate in the one associated where I work and they have no idea who I am. But the, I, the misinformation there is insane. And I don't intervene too often. But when I see like a blatant, like incorrect uh, piece of information, I do uh, interject. And most people don't know who I am, so they don't. They just kind of ignore me and go with the information that suits their needs most, even though it's usually wrong. And I realized that, like, uh, not only are you a dancing bear, but you're also a crusader of light, right? So if you had a business card, it would have uh, two different activities or professions written on it. So just as um as an aside, no one go Google dancing bear. No, don't do that, and don't blame us for anything. Yeah.
<laughs> Speaking of not blaming us for anything, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. So I, I feel like it was a good uh, lead into our next step, but it really, it, it really isn't. So let's just uh, forget <laughs> I ever said anything and go straight into something I love talking about, which is the Mothman, but not the Mothman that you think about when you hear the word Mothman. So this, I don't know where this came up. I, th- I think as usual, it's a link Rob posted somewhere. But uh, you know, we should have him as a, like our honorary uh, research assistant because <laughs> we get so much information from him based uh, for our uh, for our paranormal sections. But um, I'm not 100 percent sure he posted it. But again, um, here I am doing due diligence and not citing anything great. Uh, but <laughs> it it comes from um, Chicago Reader, right? Is that what it is? Yeah the the publication out there in Chicagoland. Yeah, and. I didn't know anything about this. There's some people have been seeing uh, this Mothman-like creature flying in the skies of Chicago. Um, had you heard of this? No, I hadn't. And it, it appears to be not only uh, uh, appearances by the Mothman, but I, I almost elevated this to a Mothman flap. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of... So as I was reading it, I was kind of getting worried about something bad happening in Chicago soon, which is kind of freaky because the previous Mothman flap was... Um, was preceding the the collapse of a bridge so i'm kind of worried about what's happening there i am too but i mean at the same time like it's kind of fun to read and uh i think one of the articles uh there was a researcher who does a lot of um this kind of work who said that it it could be extraterrestrial in origin angelo how do you feel about that i feel that's probably not the case but it's always fun to think that it is i the, the mothman stuff is really interesting because people insist they see something and there's so many explanations for it in chicago though they're in a big city it could be all kinds of things it could be like some crazy elaborate hoax of a guy just running around dressed like a giant moth although i guess the mothman doesn't look like a moth does he um not in the least yeah so it's it's hard to kind of comprehend what people are seeing and it looks like some people have taken this super seriously and started to write songs about it. Yes. This is a great segue for my favorite. I think it's my favorite aspect of this whole story, right? So rapper musician, uh, rich Jones, uh, records a song called Mothman, right? So I think it's very fascinating, uh, that, uh, a legend like this would, uh, allow someone to create art in this way. I think it's very fascinating. Well, it's it's another uh, another episode where we're talking about musicians ta- uh, talking about something paranormal. I feel that Rich Jones isn't actually asking for money in this case, nor is he trying to start his own arts and science academy. So I'm willing to give him a pass on this one, and uh, we're <laughs> going to include uh, a snippet of the song right here uh, for you guys to check out. Find this urban legend, you gotta be patient. Look down up in the sky. What a surprise Being whose existence may spell our doom Mothman, 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 Mothman I think uh, it's a very fascinating song, and um, if you go to the Chicago Reader article that has an interview with Rich Jones, I think the subhead's the best part, uh, and that it describes succinctly what's going on here. So it's the cryptid of the summer speaks for itself on Jones's Halloween season uh, single, uh, and I hope that you guys uh, bump the whole thing in your ride late at night, waiting for the Mothman to come out if you are from uh, around the area. And the other cool thing, too, is if you head over to that article, right in the middle of it, there is a great map of reputed sightings of the Chicago chicago mothman um that readers have been sitting in over the last couple of months to get an idea of where it's been appearing that's insane the amount of sightings the thing that i find interesting though they're all like clustered around the the lake so i'm wondering is that something to do with it could it be a boat i don't think it's a boat because people could are it saying be two boats together flying in the sky <laughs> exactly one is a each of them is a wing and it's like some weird voltron boat monster um i don't know so you just made me think of something i watched the movie colossal yesterday i don't know if you saw it but i highly recommend it the jason sudeikis Anne hathaway one yeah it's great um are you saying that Anne hathaway is controlling the mothman oh interesting no i'm not um but uh, i just thought of it Uh, if anybody watches it you'll get my reference to voltron sort of i guess um, but 
yeah, it could be. Uh, I hate I hate this explanation for the Mothman, but maybe it's an owl. A giant sized owl is what you're trying to tell me on, on this one. Owls are really big. What if it were uh, a, a man with a flying machine? Like Leonardo da Vinci? Do you remember the intro to the um, cartoon, the Canadian cartoon, The Raccoons? Oh, wow. That's like, I I'd completely struck that from my memory, but you just brought it back. Yes, I do remember that. Remember one of the raccoons is like peddling on a bike with wings? Yeah, I remember that. There's your Mothman. It's a giant raccoon with yeah. <laughs> a winged bicycle. <laughs> there we go. So that's funny. I, I was just looking and I was like, oh, I didn't realize the numbers have like the name of the thing because at first I thought there was a street called Big Winged Being, but uh, no, it's it's like okay, these can't be street names, you know, humanoid encounter. The next step is you talking to your wife as yeah. she's asleep in bed, saying, "Hey, we're gonna move to Chicago. We're gonna move on to Big Winged Street." But I don't want no guff about this. I need to do this. They're they're really interesting though because like if you look, I love who huge um, flying shadow. Yeah, but I like how this is laid out. It's from Phantoms and Monsters, um, which when you go to the website, uh, I think it's mentioned in one of the articles, but it looks like straight out of the early uh, 2000s. Um, And again, this comes back to something we discussed a few weeks ago, where why do these sites always look like they've they've been made from like out of uh, something from GeoCities or something? It doesn't make sense. Like, Go look at this. And Firstly, how dare you besmirge the good name of GeoCities? Secondly, GeoCities is still alive in Japan. Thirdly, I don't disagree with it, but the map is still pretty cool. No, the map is actually really well done, which I'm finding um, hard to uh, see with the website being so, um, let's say, old looking. <laughs> Uh, like just look at the side. You'll see like all these weird badges and stuff. It's kind of bizarre. I'm just, uh, let me scroll to the bottom to see if there's a web counter <laughs> or an under construction side. Yeah, some of these are hilarious. Like there's uh, one of the encounters. Number fifty five is titled "Red Eyed Winged Goblin," and before that, number forty eight is "Black Devil." Yeah, but the names are great. Uh, I guess it's just what the uh, encounterer uh, named them. So. Um, yeah, no, there's no, um, there's no uh, web counter. It's not part of any sort of web ring, but uh, it did remind me of that. Um, yeah, but the map is really well done. So, uh, you know, we don't know what this is, right? It could be the Mothman, could be an Owlman, could be a Man Bat, could be a Goblin, could be a Black Devil, could be um, a kid on a bike with wings. We are not sure of where this is going, but hey, it's out there. If anyone out there is living in the Chicago area and has seen anything, please let us know through social media. Oh, yeah, that would be great. We'd have you on the show. There we go. Angela, do you want to try and, and read out our socials? No, I'll let you do that. <laughs> double <laughs> underscore density on Twitter, facebook.com slash double density, a podcast. The same thing on Instagram. You can head over to our website, double density.net, where our, all of our um, episodes live. You can listen to them over and over. You can even listen to them at 1.5 or 2 speed. If you'd like, you can also find articles in our blog section and click on contact. If you want to hit us up and uh, say something to our faces, our virtual faces, not our real life faces. Yeah, and, and before we go, I have a question for you, Brian. If you lived in the Chicago area, would these Mothman-type appearances be troubling you? Like, would you be one of those people that believes that there's some sort of Mothman prophecy that would predict some sort of horrible event? Would it be bothering you? Let's say, or let's say they were happening where you live in Montreal, uh, if there were all these Mothman uh, occurrences there, would it start getting to you no not at all if anything i'd have paranormal fomo and i'd be out on the streets every night trying to search for this black devil slash mothman slash owlman slash red eyed winged goblin uh, to be honest with you i would spend a lot of my time out there trying to find it i don't necessarily think uh nor do i prescribe to the idea that it necessarily is preceding a catastrophic event because we're not sure if it's a mothman right so the mothman is most associated with what happened um, when was that in the fifties or sixties? Can't remember. Um, I, I didn't research that. I was, uh, I thought we'd talk more about the the Chicago one, but yeah, it, is that the only incident where where preceded um some sort of horrible event, or is it always preceding a horrible event? Or is, I'm looking to you for your expertise. Right. So let's um before uh we go any further. So it happened in '66. John Keel's book came out mid '70s. I want to say '75, '76. Right. So this happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, too. Yes, Point Pleasant. 
the which is kind of a strange name for such horrific kinds of yeah. things you know one of the more striking kinds of and I, I know a lot of listeners already know about the mothman prophecies but one of the more striking passages in the book is when there uh, is that uh, blood truck that's being like followed right by this weird creature at night as it screams down the highway um, but that's kind of an aside to what I want to talk about. So um, the last time that an actual Mothman uh, was spotted and named was in the Mothman prophecies pretty much, right? So I, I don't think it's necessarily attached to uh, any other um, supernatural uh, phenomenon at present. But I think a lot of people are calling this one Mothman because of the fact that, hey, it's in the area. It kind of looks like a like an owl. It's flapping around. It's been flapping around for months. What is this? Who knows, right? I have an interesting theory for you before I forget. Could it be a dressed up drone? Oh, that's actually not a jokey theory, unlike your other ones. Um, it <laughs> oh, could what, two be. Two bicycles wasn't good enough for you? No, that wouldn't work. Um, but yeah, that's not a terrible theory at all, actually. So I'm, I'm wondering, maybe it could be that. Huh. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm putting that in your uh, head. I want you to think about it over the next week. I want you to get it back to me. Does that sound good? Yeah, because it could be a great way to hoax people and totally mess with them. Well, for sure. And I think with modernity, it's so much easier, right? Yeah, completely. Anyways, uh, let's wrap this up because I think we've gone on about the Mothman for long enough. If you have any thoughts, of course, uh, we just listed everything off. You can also email us at doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think. So this has been episode 28 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we talk more and more about the Mothman. Does that sound good to you, Angelo? I think this will just change it to uh, Double Density, the Mothman. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and find myself a Nostradamus book and try to link the Mothman to any of the Nostradamus passages. Um, I'm going in deep. I will see you in a bunker next week, probably. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> see you later, young man. Bye. Goodbye, Angelo. Bye. Goodbye from